This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Wednesday the 10th of May 2023. I'm Stephen Scott. Sean Priest is here somewhere. And today we're going to talk all about Apple's big news. Oh, breaking news. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Breaking news. Breaking Straight news. Out of the traps with breaking news. <laughs> Is it Apple Glass, Stephen? Please say it's Apple Glass. Is it Apple Glass? Is it Apple Glass? Well, the <gasps> product that you use the software I'm going to tell you about on has a glass front. Oh, well, that's totally ruined it for me. Yes, it's basically they've launched Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro on iPad. Wow, way to build it up. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Was was this? Uh, they weren't there before. I, I just assumed they would be available on iPad anyway. Uh, no, no. Well, you got iMovie. You got iMovie on iPhone and iPad. I think for a while, mm. um, but no, no. Final Cut never ever made it over. And it's funny. It, it took a long time. It's taken a long time for Final Cut to make its way. I think DaVinci Resolve is the only one so far that's managed to make its way onto the iPad. And, you know, companies like Adobe haven't even gotten there yet. That's what, just what I was going to say. It wasn't pre, is it pre, Premier? Premier, yeah, Premier Pro or Premier Pro, depending on how you say it. I was going to say premium. Um, no, oh, okay. so you were Premier. entirely wrong. Right, okay. I'm sure that was demoed on some keynote address at some point on the iPad. Wasn't Maybe that Photoshop? Probably, probably Photoshop. Photoshop. That's what they usually go for. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I take but that But the back. video editing package, no, it's never made its way. N- neither has Adobe Edition, which we don't care about. Um, yeah. But yeah, there you go. So Final Cut coming. Also Logic Pro, and this, you know, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I was talking about this with some of the guys at AMI yesterday when the news broke, and they were kind of like, "Yeah, okay, I'll be interested to hear your take on this one, Stephen." Because hang on, how is this going to be relevant to blind people, right? Fine, you know, Logic Pro, okay, music based, I get it. Final Cut is a video editor, really. But here's the thing. Hey. Here's hey. the thing. Yes, we know it's going to be mostly accessible, if not entirely accessible. I say mostly accessible because video generally is a bit difficult for blind people. Um, But the editing process should be accessible. That's the part that's... As long as the interface is accessible to us, then we can figure out the rest, right? Do you know, it's funny, right? Because for a long time, I have not really been... I bought the iPad, then another iPad... And another iPad. And I kept trying to get into the iPad world and just just couldn't get in. You kept trying to put it into your workflow, didn't you? I remember, weren't you using it like as a second screen or like a controller for your very fancy mixer at one point? Yeah, yeah. And it just, it never really worked out. No, I think, honestly, the problem I had was that overall it was a machine that you needed your eyes to use. I mean, even with... Even with the voiceover on there, and yes, voiceover is good, and I'm not going to decry it. It is good on there, but it's a quite a different way of working. And this is the thing that I remember we talked about this years ago about the difference between the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac. They're, they're very different ways, all mm. kind of similar, similar threads. Well, but definitely the iPhone and the iPad. Approach. There's there's a lot of similarities there, but. I, I I struggled quite a lot with the iPad. I struggled with accidental taps because the screen is so big. Sometimes mm. you know my palm or other finger, and I do a split tap on something I didn't mean to, and I struggled to find certain things on the screen. With the iPhone, you always expect that, you know, if you're entering uh, the keypad, it's always in the same place. On the iPad, it, it could be anywhere on the screen, depending on what app you were using or, or where you were entering that. And the columns obviously could sometimes be a little bit more tricky when it came to navigation but yeah i mean it's doable but but, i mean the difference between those two things and the mac is uh, worlds apart so um here we go uh i'll go through some detail here in particular this is detail yeah i know it's unusual i (laughs) I don't know what's going on i feel i feel this (laughs) just changing uh i feel it's changing me uh but yeah so a couple of things here to note one is that uh, where it used to be before you would buy final cut pro or logic pro uh, outright. So on uh, a Mac, for example, Logic Pro would cost you $199. Final Cut would cost you $299 if there was no sale. Um, whereas 
Uh, now they are moving to, wait for it, subscription model. Hurrah! Of how course. much? Uh, what do you think? So let's, uh, we're talking each app, okay? So both apps, mm. same price. How much do you think they're charging per month or per year? What do you think? I feel like I should have a clock here for that game show. I like it. The trouble is, these are pro level. I would say prosumer. Can I, can, hang on. Did you did you hear how wonderful my clock was there? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. No, it was very good. Sorry. Did I not comment on it? I thought it was brilliant. I did the Jeopardy theme tune thing there. I you didn't mention that. I don't know what that is. I'm going to say. Don't get that in Scotchland. It's uh, $15 a month. Ooh, $15 a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, yep, you're yep, yep. way off. Okay. This is the weird thing about Apple, right? Go on. They charge you huge amounts of money for hardware. It comes to software, you kind of imagine it would be the same. So they're going to charge you four ninety nine a month for this. Oh, well, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, or $49 actually, per year. Makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. On okay. iPad. And that's I'm guessing that's only this is something I'm not sure of, but it says on iPad. So guessing this is a unique version for this, and that's how they're looking at it. Maybe the, the bigger version remains the same at two nine nine, but that's a buyout, unless they're changing that as well. Um but yeah, four ninety nine per month for Logic uh Pro or Final Cut Pro, uh or forty nine dollars per year. Uh, it says that uh, the apps will come with enhancements specifically for iPads. Final Cut Pro, for example, will come with a new jog wheel that's supposed to make the editing process easier than ever, allowing mm. you to navigate the timeline, uh, the magnetic timeline, of course, move clips and perform edits using just your finger and multi-touch gestures. Um, and hopefully tons of uh, keyboard shortcuts go along with that as well. Um, a new feature, this is kind of cool, not much use to us, I'm afraid, but uh, a new feature called Live Drawing lets you <gasps> use your Apple Pencil to draw and write directly on top of video content. Oh, gorgeous. If you have an iPad Pro with an M2 chip, you can use the Apple's uh, Pencil's hover feature to skim and preview footage without having to touch the screen. Oh, yeah, you just got to hover 10 millimetres above it. That's, that's, that's such a time saver. Wow. Does it mention the capabilities? Is this limited in any way to the desktop version? It's a bit light on detail at the moment in terms of what mm. this can actually do. Um, I mean, there, there's lots of specifics around. I mean, they're, they're kind of focusing, I guess, on the information I'm seeing a lot more on Logic Pro. Uh, which it says comes with the same touch-friendly features uh, as you will get with Final Cut, That's allowing lucky. you to take advantage of yes of uh, multi-touch <laughs> gestures moving on, to play software instruments and interact with controls. It also has a new sound browser that uses dynamic filtering to help you discover uh, different types of sounds with options for instrument patches, audio patches, plug-in presets, samples, and loops. Additionally, Apple is introducing a time and pitch morphing plug-in for Logic Pro called Beat Breaker, uh, which lets you swipe and pinch to reshape and shuffle sounds. The app has support for the Apple Pencil as well, giving you the chance to draw detailed track automation. Uh, so mm. obviously very visual, but you know Apple do have a tendency of managing to make it accessible as well. So we'll uh, be interested to see how that plays out. That is actually really interesting. I'd be interested to see how people manage with that logic. Because yeah. I mean, we, we don't have... Uh, uh, oh god i I don't want to okay well I, i'm saying we don't have an audio editor for the ipad no we don't no i mean a lot of people will mention that what's it called fahrenheit um oh yeah um, ferrite yeah ferrite. ferrite sorry fahrenheit ferrite you try to use that in in, in a real world mm, scenario no, not great. the navigation is such hard work look totally accessible and applaud them for it but when it comes down to actually using it in the real world to do edits, it's it's such hard work. Yeah, I I just yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, but I I don't know. There's something about the way that it works on. And again, being Apple, they'll have thought some of this through. So you know, it's, it's interesting because it says you get a one month free trial, which you can get for Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro. Apple notes that you can pair apps with a Magic Keyboard or Smart Keyboard Folio to use keyboard commands. So obviously mm. they're going to exist, which is good. You can also move any projects in Logic Pro between the app on the Mac and iPad as well as export songs into Final Cut for iPad. Logic Pro on iPad lets you open projects in GarageBand on iOS too. GarageBand, of course, is the like the little brother 
like I guess uh, iMovie's little sister to yes. Final Cut, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, and it mentions here in this article on The Verge, it says putting Final Cut Pro on the iPad allows Apple to compete directly with the current popular video editing tool DaVinci Resolve, which just released its app, iPad optimized app last year. While a basic version of that app is free, you can purchase the premium version for a one-time payment of $94.99. Now that's interesting because they are doing the one-off payment, whereas Final Cut will be $50 a year. If you mm. want it to be, but you know what? I think for that kind of application, you know, Final Cut is a very powerful tool, and it's the kind of thing that you know creators and wannabe creators will use. And I think a lot of people, you know, can get into. It's not that hard to get into, but it has so much capability. It's a bit like the Mac itself. It's a bit like all the Apple yeah, apps yeah. you get. You know, they have quite a lot of functionality in there, but it's kind of presented to you as if it's my first machine you know <laughs> i tell you what i want Stephen. i want it on the iphone uh i, I think that's uh, unlikely to happen uh, if i'm totally why? honest um now, is this only really? on m class processors yeah so it doesn't mention it on this article but yeah i did read this so you have to have i think it's the, the there's the latest ipad air anything that's running m basically m series m1 right. upwards yeah i think if you are on the latest m2 you'll be fine i, I don't think the ipad mini or, and I can't remember if the base level iPad has an M1. I don't think it does. I think it's still running on A15 or something. I, I can't of, remember. I've dismissed iPad's name. Well, do you know something? If ever anything was going to get me into it, I'd love to try this out. I'd love yeah. to try Final Cut out on it. And maybe even Logic as well. I know a lot of people who use Logic are blind and they swear by it. In fact, there's even a, yeah. a group for uh, blind people. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, there's a, a Logic blind group. group. A blind sure? a group I've never heard of, of such a thing. Blind people who got together, figured it out for themselves. They even managed to find their way onto the internet by themselves. Wow. And have you been on there? It's disgusting. Terrible. I'm against the that internet, sort of thing. That is. Um, yep. <laughs> Now, listen, I want to mention WhatsApp today because, uh, well, we've got some news on WhatsApp, haven't we? Because uh, we is were it talking. news? It's not breaking news, no. Uh-huh. Although maybe it is because nobody else is talking. Is anyone else talking about this? No, it's no. not the button. It's that one. Breaking news. Breaking news. Move some things around. As you'll notice today, I've moved some things around, so we're all a bit confused. <sighs> Let's not upset the man. Mr. F. Sorry. God bless you, Mr. F. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, what were we talking about? WhatsApp? WhatsApp. So WhatsApp, I said on the show, and I surprised you with the news, that you can now uh, connect multiple devices, oh, uh, multiple and smartphones, them. and link yes. yeah, multiple smartphones to your account. Uh, however, there's a catch. There is a catch, yes. So Do far, tell. Well, WhatsApp, have you, you may have noticed, has been updated recently. I got all excited, and I rushed out and updated, and I thought, this is it. Um, but sadly... No, the feature isn't there. And to be fair, it does say it's rolling out. So, Mm. you know, I was just sort of jumping the gun a little bit and hoping it was there. Except if you have an Android phone. Because if you've got an Android phone, that option is available. So if you do a a fresh install of WhatsApp, usually you agree to the terms and conditions and then it asks you for your telephone number to sign in. Uh, But on Android now, you get the extra option of link account. So you you no longer have to do that uh, telephone number. So you can link it to a another uh, device. Basically, you don't have to have a, a SIM in there even. So I, wow. I've got a, another iPhone which I use just for Wi-Fi, no SIM in it, and I really would like to have WhatsApp on there. Uh, I can't do that yet, but if you've got Android, check it out. Update your WhatsApp app, and uh, I, I still hate the name WhatsApp, by the way. Uh, update your app and you will be able to add other smartphones to your account. Cool. Mm, okay. Uh, well, staying on the WhatsApp story, uh, and this was uh, one I, I put out on uh, Twitter, Mastodon. You can follow us on all of these uh, accounts. Where, uh, but actually, we we have a <laughs> – I didn't know this. We had a Facebook page. I say we had. We have a Facebook page. <laughs> I don't even know what we put on it, but we, we apparently have a Facebook page. News to have me. We- have we got a person who does that for us? I think there might be somebody in charge of that. Thank, Thank you, goodness. Facebook person, whoever you may be. <laughs> no, no, don't let, don't let him anywhere near it. No, definitely not. No, he doesn't do internet. Doesn't Mr. do Facebook. internet. Mr. Facebook, yes. <laughs> uh, so WhatsApp could disappear from the UK. Oh, really? 
Mm. Ah, I, Never I, happened. This is over privacy concerns. What, what they've just figured this out? Okay, <sighs> so the UK government risks sleepwalking into a confrontation with WhatsApp, according to the Guardian newspaper, uh, that could lead to the messaging app disappearing from Britain. Ministers from have where? been warned. Uh, with options for an amicable resolution fast running out. This oh. is uh, all because of this online safety bill. We did actually talk about this with journalist mm-hmm. Charlotte Henry a few weeks Terrible. back. Uh, this, and Charlotte explains it much better than I can, but basically it's a vast piece of legislation that will touch on almost every aspect of online life in Britain. More than four years in the making, with eight secretaries of state, five prime ministers involved in its drafting by, you know, <laughs> by this point in the day, um, the bill, which is progressing through the House of Lords in the UK, is more than 250 pages long. The table of contents alone spans 10 pages. This is a book I will never read, and I don't read any books. No, even the audio book, we're not interested. Exactly. The trouble with any of these bills, like you, you think about online safety, you think, great, this sounds fantastic, a bit of legislation, lovely. But they're always worded in such a vague way that they can apply to anything really, and that's where the concern lies. Well, I'm not so sure about the vagaries in this one, because it's the bill says Ofcom, which is the organisation, the, the government department, which looks after broadcasting and, and all kinds of things in this, in this country, uh, it gives them the power to impose requirements for social networks to use technology to tackle terrorism or child sexual abuse content, with fines of up to 10% of global turnover for those services that do not comply. Now, in that alone... Not enough. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And you could kind of say, well, okay, I'm all right. I'm fine with that. You know, I, I want social media companies to be held accountable for this of kind course. of content that exists on there. Absolutely. Uh, companies must use best endeavors to develop or source technology to obey the notice, whatever that means. Uh, but it says for messaging apps that secure their user data with end to end encryption, that's E2EE. Is that what that's called? I didn't know that. Uh, it is technologically impossible to read user messages without fundamentally breaking their promises to users. That, they say, is a step they will not take. Okay. Uh, the bill provides no explicit protection for encryption, said a coalition of providers, including the market leaders WhatsApp and Signal, in an open letter last month. And implemented as written could empower Ofcom to try to to force the proactive scanning of private messages on end-to-end encrypted communication services, nullifying the purpose of end-to-end encryption as a result and compromising the privacy of all users. If push came to shove, they say, they would choose to protect the security of their non-UK users. 98% of our users are outside the UK, WhatsApp's chief Will Cathcart told The Guardian in March. They do not want us to lower the security of the product. And just as a straightforward matter, it would be an odd choice for us to choose the lower, uh, to, to lower the security of the product in a way that would affect those 98% of users. And legislators have called on the government to take the concerns seriously. These services, such as WhatsApp, will potentially leave the UK, Clear Fox told the House of Lords last week. This is an interesting one. So essentially the security is the problem here. Encryption, specifically yeah. encryption. But then, see, what I'm talking about vagueness in here is is uh, it's surprising what they can deem as, what do they deem as reasonable suspicion when it comes to something like terrorism? The other child abuse aspect of it, I think everyone's very clear on that. But what do they... I've, I don't mind losing encryption. It's to help those those two very worthy causes of you know let's let's stamp this out. Absolutely, I don't care. But at the same time, are these powers going to be abused by government departments at any time? I mean, we know they have been in the past. Well, I mean, look ev- at look at recently. I mean, the, the government at the moment in the UK uh, during the coronation were arresting people who were planning to hold a placard up, a piece of cardboard attached to, you know, another piece of cardboard that said whatever it said on it. And it, I don't think it was anything, you know, it depends how you view offence, I guess. You know, I think yes. it said not my king on it. Yes. Um, but They were arrested they were before arrested they even be, did it. Before they even had the chance to, uh, to take the, the placard out of the van. No longer are you allowed to protest. No. And this is a That's concern. A sli- People are looking at this. Scary. But they're looking at this and they're saying, hang on a minute, on one hand, 
we've got people being arrested for daring to protest, which, you know, up until recently was actually, I thought, a perfectly normal thing and perfectly part of British civil society. We, you know, most of these protests pass off peacefully. Um, you know, there's always one or two idiots in there, but, you know, ultimately it's a fairly peaceful thing and, and it wasn't, I don't think there was any intention otherwise for it to be that way. Uh, I, I should also say that the Met uh, Police in London have since apologised for this and said they'll look into the reasons why these particular oh, yeah. protesters were uh, picked up on. But um, they should we'll never been. hear about it again. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> but th- that but it raises concerns for people when they hear that, and then you see a bill like this coming along, where it says the government could be looking into your private messages, or they could be forcing companies to open up the security that's essentially holding your your information private. Yeah, um, that that is a concern for people, and I, I can understand that the concern around this online safety bill. It almost feels like I don't know. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because on one hand, you want the security, you want your own security, you want your own privacy, but you also would be the first person. I know I would be the first person to say, you know, if there was a terrorist or it was a, a, a child sexual abuse, I'd be like, get the person's phone. Get it opened yeah. up, you know, get a screwdriver in there and get Absolutely. that phone opened up and find out what's going on. But it's so difficult, isn't it? Because it, what happens if this is abused? What if this is used in a way that, for example, um, you know, a disabled person is tweeting about, you know, having a great day out at the beach and someone says, well, you shouldn't be getting welfare checks if you, you said you couldn't enjoy a nice day out. Yeah. You know, there's things like that that, you know, that has, that has happened in the past. Um, you know, so you can understand why people difficult. would be nervous. I don't know. I don't know what to, don't know yeah, what to make of it. It sort of takes us back to, you remember the Apple versus FBI case? You yes, know, that's trying right. Trying to get into the, um, the iPhone of, to, to, to get a, a murder suspect. I mean, hmm, yeah, it is a very tricky one. And Apple made I, I, a good case on that. They made a good case, I think, because they said, look, if we open this up for you, or if we create the back door, then everyone can access that. Everyone yep. can access that route. And is that what you want? It's either closed to everyone or open to everyone. There's no I, in between. I, I think what will end up happening here is if this does come about, I think eventually you'll have a situation where devices will start to appear, You know, not necessarily with Apple, but say with Android, for example. I've seen a few examples of this where you'll have you know really locked down devices that no one can access using some dark method on the internet to Well, those do were what already available, wasn't there? Yeah, exactly right. Those phones were being used by criminal organisations. Yeah. They were being sold and used for that. They did get cracked in the end anyway. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. Do you ever really get... It's a bit like the AI thing. The genie's out of the bottle. Can we ever go back? Encryption is here. It's open source. Every, anyone could use it. So... Mm, I don't know. That is a tricky one. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous about all this, but yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know until this happens. But of course, the problem is once the law is passed, that's it, right? That's it. You're and, done. you know, it, it, there, I, I do wonder how this will impact. Because initially, I must admit, when I read this law, I thought, okay, I know what you're trying to achieve here and I get it. But, you know, this is one very small country trying to take on the might of Facebook and Twitter and, all, and you know TikTok and all the rest of them. How can it do that? Uh, and actually, it seems like it can, which is actually good and bad all at the same time. Oh, isn't no, it? I it's think like, that's a good thing. Yeah, we shouldn't be held to ransom by terrifying. big tech, right? Yeah. Yeah, we should be able to hold them to task, I suppose. I don't know. It, it's, it seems it's to me there's a global solution difficult. needed here. There needs to be like a coming together on this. It can't, it can't just be pockets of the world doing this because ultimately, you know, if you have a situation where we, we'll just lose out in the UK, you know, WhatsApp is going to say, well, look, well, I'm not, we're not opening up all our capabilities for every user. That will have a massive impact. Like they're saying, you know, it's going to have a massive impact on 98% of the users who are not in the UK. Well, I mean, the solution seems to be, as it is now, you can turn encryption on or off, right? But then if you're talking from to someone outside of the UK or if you're outside of the UK talking to someone inside the UK, your conversation is no longer private. Yeah. So I, I guess that's the problem. I don't know. I just feel that big tech themselves, from if they can have these algorithms that make us all think that our devices are listening to us because they work so well and they analyze our every movement, I don't see why they can't have that built in to ca- tackle these particular situations. Yeah. Interesting. Themselves inside.
Anyway. Okay, uh, more on this to come. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Mark Afalalalo. He is with us next to talk all about the upcoming Google event. We're very excited. I'll be chatting with him next here on Double Tap. Keep your comments coming and find us on social media. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567 or email us. Feedback at doubletaponair.com uh, we're back, and uh, this is Double right? Tap on Ear My Audio. I'm fine. Are you all right? Sorry, I thought you fell asleep there for a minute. It was a bit of a pause. It's all right. Carry on. No, see, I don't Rob's, want to draw Rob's, attention. Rob's clearly gone off uh, scripting, going off doing his own thing here, so I'm just like trying to catch up. Uh, okay, WhatsApp has released an official app for Wear OS. Oh, I, whoa. Hang on. This is uh-huh. WhatsApp heavy. Where, where's the Apple Watch version? Oh, well... Yeah, they don't have one for the Apple Watch, do they? I know. Well, exactly. they did, didn't they? Didn't they have yeah, one? They did, and then they dumped and they it. They took it away. Yeah, well, they've made okay. one for Wear OS, mm-hmm. giving uh, beta testers, oh, you'll like this, uh, of the Android app, the ability to send text and voice messages from their wrist. <gasps> I want to get a Wear OS now. Can I get a Wear OS? Where, oh, do, I'm sure where, you... where do I get Wear OS? I'm sure you got one in your drawer, like Probably. I have somewhere. Actually, yeah. I think I do. I've got a Samsung thing in the I've got that uh, other cupboard. One. What's that? I want to say Tiki Toki one. Tiki Toki. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was the yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh. Tick Watch, wasn't it? Tick. tick. Mob yeah. Boy. Mob Boy Mob Tick Boy. Watch. That was the one. Yes, you've yeah. got that, haven't you? I have. That's in my drawer. That's, and a, good, that's a good watch. Why are you not using uh, that? Um, do you really want me to tell you why? Because <laughs> it's not a good watch. watch? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Uh, it says the functionality was added with the uh, latest uh, beta Android app. Oh, so it's not out fully yet. Okay, it's in beta. Uh, but also it reportedly contains hints that the service might soon let Android users edit previously sent messages. The Wear OS app reportedly supports smartwatches, including the Pixel Watch and Galaxy Watch 5. I've got the four. That's oh, annoying. out of luck. <sighs> uh, Android Police, that's uh, a magazine. The website. Just to be there. clear. Yeah, yep. not a thing. Um, that the Meta-owned messaging service previously offered a smartwatch app for Android Wear. Yeah, that's right, prior to its Wear OS rebrand, but says that it was eventually discontinued due to a lack of adoption. Since then, Wear OS users have only been able to respond to WhatsApp messages via their smartwatch notifications. They haven't been able to send messages uh, whenever they please. Well, that's interesting. So you, you, had to, you had to get the notification, then you could respond. Wow. That makes me feel slightly better that it wasn't just the Apple Watch they just pulled it from. So uh, there's maybe a hope for us yet. Yeah, maybe. It, it does seem like watch, um, WhatsApp are kind of really picking it up again. You know, there was, it feels like all these things have been things we've been asking for for years. Yeah. It's taken a long time I, I to develop WhatsApp all this. I love WhatsApp now. I absolutely love it. So do it's, I. it's just so universal. Well, it was interesting because we're talking, obviously, before about the potential of it going away with this um, you know, this, mm-hmm. this law in the UK. At least in the UK, it would go away. And um, we're at percent doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but a lot of people were, were commenting on this on Mastodon and Twitter. They were saying, you know what, this is not great because you know a lot of us rely on it. A lot of us use it because we might want to, you know, go between different operating systems or maybe work on different devices. And you don't always, you can't rely on iMessage for everything because it's That's Apple only. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's on every platform. Not very good on Mac, apparently, though. But um, mm. it's there. Not brilliant. <laughs> um, so what else? What app we use on the Apple Watch, though? Was that oh. voice chat? Uh, no, it's called... What is it called I'm again? really good at the names today. I hope everyone's noticing Fahrenheit and um, now you ha- now you know why my brain has to be totally on point every day. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd never remember the names of anything. It's called Watch is- Chat. On- watch Chat. Well, that's close. Voice Chat. Watch Chat. Watch Voice Chat. It's actually quite good. It is. Yeah, I I haven't checked for any updates recently, but I mean there were a couple of accessibility say hiccups, but you could work around it. And well, I think could... they've been fixed. I think the latest updates have oh, fixed beautiful. a lot of that, which is good. So you could record voice messages, which is why I use voice app. Oh, voice app. WhatsApp for a lot. Um, so there's, a, there's an alternative there. Check that one out. Right, anyway, I was talking about this Wear OS app. Can I get back to this? <sighs> Wear OS, yes. So it lets users browse through recent chats, scroll through message histories, and reply using text or voice. Uh, there is an, up, uh, an upside to this, of course. You can use WhatsApp. The downside is this on an Android watch. But anyway, moving on. Um, there are a couple wow. of tiles. There are a couple of tiles available, including one to access contacts and one for voice messages. What does that mean? Tiles. Is that a thing on an Android Wear? That's a watch? thing on Android Wear, yes. 
Okay. And there's a complication showing the number of unread messages sitting in your WhatsApp inbox. Who cares? Uh, Android Police notes that although you can send messages to any existing conversations, there's currently no option to start a new chat from the Wear OS app if you've never sent a WhatsApp contact a message before. It's really weird. Uh, Setting up the Wear OS app involves entering an eight-digit code from the watch into WhatsApp on your phone. And uh, I don't know what that is. WA Beta Info notes that WhatsApp's multi-device support means that messages accessed via a smartwatch should still be protected with end-to-end encryption unless the British police get to you first. (sighs) I feel better now. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, Whether there's any chance of ever coming to... uh, Apple Watch again is <laughs> unlikely. If I'm sorry, all my honest. phones just went off. That's why I, I muted. <laughs> Did you mute yourself there? Oh, okay. As ever, unprofessional. Um, right. I don't, well, listen. Why don't you go answer that? Because I have uh, got a call of my own to take from our very own Mark Afalalalalo. Uh, he is joining me now to tell us all about the upcoming uh, Google I/O. He is there for us this week, and he joins me now. Hello, Mark Afalalalo. Hello, hello. My God, I feel like it's been so long since I've spoken to you on this medium. Do you know what's so funny? People keep emailing in and saying, where's Mark Aflalo? Maybe that's something you should uh, pay attention to. I don't know. Just a little thing. That Definitely should, uh... not. That is never going to okay, happen. Well, Sorry, we've ignored that. that. It, it okay. deleted fine, all those emails. Fine, 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 fine. You know what? I'm leaving them. <laughs> <laughs> just here. Just gone back and he's gone. Uh, so you are, in, where exactly in the world are you? Tell us. Can you, you know, tell I'm us? In, I'm in a little area of California called Mountain View, California. Mm. It is tucked in the Silicon Valley. Um, a little bit over there to my right, if you can see where I'm pointing right now, mm-hmm, is uh, mm-hmm. Cupertino where you can find Apple Park, that spaceship campus. Uh, A little bit over there is Palo Alto. I can kind of see it. No, I can't see anything from here, by the way. Uh, Palo Alto is that way. But we're about, you know, it's about 45 minutes, depending on traffic from the San Francisco airport. It's kind of nestled into uh, like a San Jose area. I mean, this is the heart of Silicon Valley. And I'm, I'm currently at Shoreline Amphitheater, the location of Google's 2023 I.O. Developers Conference, and in just about an hour or so, they're going to take the stage and kick off the what they call the consumer keynote, which is then going to be followed by a developer keynote, uh, all of which you can watch online. If you head on over to Google, just look up Google I.O. You can watch it all online. Maybe you'll see my my head in the crowd. I don't know. Maybe it's the back of my head. Hello, Mom. Yeah, Hello, Mom. Going on. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I could try to bring some attention to myself. I can heckle out. No, I won't. You know what? Um, being the first time that I'm at one of these events and invited to it, I'm just going to, I'm going to low profile, low profile. I'll sit in the corner somewhere and be like, don't look at me. I'm not actually here. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. don't feel like I should be here. <laughs> well, I was going to say, so is this, is this the first time you've been at this one of is, these? Um, this is the first time I've received an in-person invite to an event of this caliber. And, uh, you know, 25 years in this business and 10 years talking tech. Uh, it's about freaking time. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It feels like we've made it. You know, we're finally getting the show to. I haven't figured out how. Events. By the way, I don't know how this happened. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Like I spoke to the the PR company in Canada that I deal with, and and they send me news and products and stuff like that. And I said, uh, you know, thanks guys. If it, if if you had any involvement, they're like, we didn't. So. <laughs> Who knows how it happened? It I'm kind of like I'm kind of wondering if I'm going to you know get kicked out at some point, saying, yeah, you're not actually supposed to be here. Sorry. Um, but, you know, it was quite a process getting in here, so I can't imagine they're going to kick me out anytime soon. We're going to be uh, having imposter syndrome talks on the show. I can I can sense that. Okay, we'll get that when, when you come back. We'll get your feelings on that. So what do we know about what's coming today? Because Nothing. we know the, we know, the, nope. we know one thing. <laughs> we know one thing. We know the Pixel Fold. We know yes. there's going to be a folding phone on display. Yeah. Um, we've seen images. They leaked it on May the 4th, be with you. Uh, on, on May the Fold, be with you, as they say. Uh, that's <laughs> All we really know, it's a folding phone with a, a pretty impressive front screen. 5.8 inches, it looks like, apparently. Yeah. Um, lots of rumors out there, Stephen. There's rumors about Pixel 7a. Um, here's what I think is going to happen today, okay? Other than seeing these new devices, is we're going to see how AI is front and center on all of these devices. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my feeling, yeah. So it's going to be AI. It's going to be talking about Bard. Uh, and it's interesting because, of course, they've released Bard into the wild now. And we've, uh, if anyone's watched the 60 Minutes program, you'll know, you know a bit more about that. Uh, as we shared the link on the show a while back. Very interesting program on that subject. 
but you know it kind of feels like Bard is behind Microsoft at this point, and I guess it'll be interesting to see how far they're pushing this along. Maybe they'll talk a little bit more about that development. They may not talk about Microsoft, but they'll certainly talk about their own development for sure. Yeah, I can't imagine they're not going to be. I mean, can't imagine it's not going to be front and center. There's even conversation about Bard getting its own, you know, home screen icon on Android devices mm. as of you know the the developer preview, which will be out probably today. Today, to be perfectly honest, mm. um, but you know, AI, you know, regardless of the fact that Microsoft seems a little bit ahead, and I think that just comes with the territory of having announced OpenAI, you know, back in December. I think at the end of the day, if you really take a step back and you look at all the major players involved here, I'm talking about Apple, I'm talking about Google, Microsoft. Um, I think that Google, if they get it right, could probably leap forward ahead of Microsoft and everybody else fairly quickly just by sheer numbers of, of search data they have in their repository. Well, that's right. They've got the data. And that's the one thing. It's so interesting when it comes to Google, because when the Google Nest came out, or Google Home as it started off live, I remember thinking, this is going to totally leapfrog the Lady A devices from Amazon, because you know they've got so much more access to information, but it never happened on those devices. It just never seemed to take off in the same way. Now, I don't know if that's because Amazon got there first for a lot of people, and that was just it. People made a choice, and they didn't really move over to the Google ecosystem. There also wasn't a skills ecosystem with Google, which I think made it more difficult for people to find what they could do with it. So there was all that aspect. Yeah. But it does seem when it comes to AI that with the data, they do have the chance here to pull ahead. And maybe it's the, uh, what was that old phrase? Slowly, slowly, there's something about a monkey. I can't remember, but yes. What? Some, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like a phrase that's Slowly, slowly, uses. something about a monkey. Yeah, yeah. That one. Exactly. Look it up. Google it. Um, I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I, I You know what? Uh, slowly, something, something, slowly, something catchy monkey. monkey. That was it. Yeah. I should, yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Um... <laughs> I'm sure that's offensive now. I'm sure someone will be bothered by that. Oh, I, I'm sure someone will be bothered by it. But no, but you know what? The data. Yeah. It's it's about the search history. Mm. Uh, it's about that information. And we, we've heard recently, you know, they've, they've talked, you know, there have been reports. Um, you actually posted this that uh, with, with the Be My Eyes a virtual volunteer, they've openly talked about the fact that they're they're not going to be using users' data, meaning any in, any queries that you throw it at that, um, to train the language model, which is interesting because obviously it needs the more data, the more reliable it becomes. But I think there are many use cases like that where privacy is pretty important. And in order for people to buy in, they have to really trust it. And I think that's a perfect case of where search history and search data, which we know they're allowed to use because we agree to the terms and conditions, whether we read it or not, um, is going to be key there. So I don't think it matters on a case by case basis whether an app like Be My Eyes doesn't use that data to train its language model, as long as there's other up-to-date data that they can train themselves on and use. And then, of course, that leads into the conversation about security and mm. all that fun stuff. That I mean, there was a, there was a meeting last week at the White House. Um, Kamala Harris was the head of this committee where they invited a bunch of people down from Silicon Valley to talk about the security of this. I don't think Google was even in that invitation. That's something I'm going to have to find out about today if I can see why they weren't at the table. Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting time. It really is. But, you know, I think what's interesting is that in order for this to succeed in whatever company leads on this, it's all about the data and it's all about consuming more data. And this is the bit that people need to realize about AI is that it needs to continually be fed in order to improve. I mean, one example of this was images and alt text. Now, a lot of people might know in our world about alt text and the value of it being the the written description of what's in an image, but that is also being used by AI to identify what's going on in images. And there was like 5 billion images last month, 5 billion images in one month consumed by AI. And that was 5 billion images with that alt text. So accessibility leading the charge, but also it's important because that's what's giving the AI the, the food that it needs. Well, that's a question I'm going to ask. Like, I really, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really hope that I get five minutes with, with, uh, you know, Google Sundar Pinchai, mm-hmm. and and have a conversation about that, uh, about accessibility, uh, the importance of accessibility, and also 
the important role that I think AI can play in accessibility and vice versa. And I, I want to correct myself. He was at the actual meeting last week at the White House, along with uh, Satya Nadella, OpenAI, Sam Altman, um, and some other folks. So uh, I hope to ask him that question, too, which is what was that experience like? And, and do you share the concerns of other leaders in the industry? Because that's something I'm curious about. And while you're there, maybe you can ask why they're bothering with Android tablets. I mean, who honestly uses an Android tablet? I, you know, can I can I credit honestly? you to that question? Like I say, you know what, my my co-host Stephen, uh, he's in Scotland. He couldn't be here today. He wasn't invited. Hint hint. Um, <laughs> could you? Um, he really wants to know why you're bothering with Android tablets. Yeah, I I, I honestly I want to know the answer. I want to know the answer to this. Why bother? Why bother? It's pointless you know, I, to me. If there was, you know, if there was a question, and and uh, you know, you guys can tweet us. Tweet us, tweet Stephen, and I'll follow this during the keynote, which starts in what just under an hour now. Mm. Um, if there's a question you wanted me to ask someone at Google, what would that question be? Let me know. Let me know. Use the hashtag. Ask, ask Double Tap. Yeah, and, and follow us on uh, Mastodon as well. We're on there now as well, so you can yeah. find us there. Send me a message on there. But yeah, absolutely. Ask Mark at Google. There's the hashtag. Ask Mark, ask at, Google. Mark at Google. Yeah, but like then we're going to have spelling issues with Mark. It's Mark uh, with the C's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Hashtag uh, ask yeah. double tap. I think that's a little bit easier. That makes way too much sense. I don't like it. Uh, listen, have a great time. Uh, you'll Thank be you. back with us tomorrow. We'll yes. be going through all this in detail, so can't wait for that. Uh, have fun, and uh, don't, get, uh, don't get too excited. Uh, because remember, you are a Google event, so you know you, you won't get too excited. It's not an Apple wow, event. That, I know you're, that, I know what, you're looking across saying? at the Apple building, going, "It'd be nice to be in there." But hey, you're at Google. It's close Listen, there's still a month away from Apple's WWDC. You got an invite for that? No. You? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not expecting to get an invite to anything. I'd have to travel if they could do it here. If they could bring the Apple event, there are there are Glasgow. Google I/O like watch parties. That they're throwing around the world. So I'm sure you we could find to, yourself an to invite to the those. local Glasgow uh, watch party. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to find one of those. Uh, listen, Mark, have a great time, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Wait, 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 Mark. Oh, I missed him. Oh, you missed him. He's gone. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, do you know what I meant? That was another thing I meant to ask him about, was that uh, video that surfaced yesterday as well. The oh. uh the, that video. No, not not that one. No, no, we'll hold on to that one for for future use. Uh, yes, but no, there was a video that came out about the Google Fold, which is already. I mean, they've pretty much just announced it. They've they've get it's almost I like they know. can't wait. It's like me with knowing something, you know, yes. knowing a bit of gossip. I just yep. can't hold it in. It's like, do you, yep. do you want me just to tell you? I do this with soap operas. My wife and I watch Coronation Street, and you'll read something on Facebook about you know what's coming up in Coronation Street, and I'll talk oh, to I my wife that. and say, "Do you know what's going to happen?" And she's like, "No, don't tell me." And I'm, like, I'm going to tell you anyway. And she's like, Go "Thanks." On. Go on, ask me. Ask me. Go on, ask me. I know what's going to happen. Ask me. I know the future. <laughs> <sighs> what did they release then? What, what, what was this video about? Well, it's, it's just a video showing the fold. There's no real detail yet. This oh, is the problem. Yeah. They're obviously holding it back yeah. until the event today. But um, I dare yeah, I, is it bad to say? Is it bad yeah. to say that I'm not as excited? I do say this every year. I think I do. Yes. I'm not as excited. But in saying that, I am keen to know what they're going to do with AI. Because that is one area where, like Mark was saying there, you know, I think he, he makes a really good point that at some point they may leapfrog Microsoft. It may take a couple of years, <gasps> but um, there might be some leapfrogging going on. Well, we just expect that, right? Because as, as you mentioned there in the call, we just expect that, that Google has all these massive amounts of data available. Yeah. And so why wouldn't they be leading the pack on this? But hey, they're not at the moment. But no. yeah, who knows? It's a bit of an AI arms race at the minute. Uh, listen, I've just spotted this one, uh, which I think came out just uh, earlier this morning. I, I think we oh, heard this news this morning. news! Uh, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, Twitter. Oh, oh, sorry, hang on. Uh, is it that one? Yes. Breaking oh, well news. Oh, Breaking news. I am, I am a trained professional. Do not try this at home. Press a button. Have a uh, banana. <laughs> Twitter has been working on a lot of changes recently, and uh, while some of them are quite controversial, says this article from 9to5mac.com, uh, there are still some uh, cool features in its plans. On Tuesday, when was that? Yesterday? That was Tuesday, yeah. Was that yesterday? Yes. Right. Uh, the platform, <laughs> I don't know what day it is anymore. Uh, the platform began rolling out an update to iOS and Android apps that bring improvements for sending direct messages, DMs. In addition, Twitter confirmed it will soon let users <gasps> make audio and video calls. 
Ooh, audio. Wow. Audio, yes, audio and so that's video. A, that suddenly becomes WhatsApp. WhatsApp. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. No, but this is the idea I, all along. I I, I, because honestly, every day with Twitter, I feel it's, it's not that I don't know what's going on with it. I feel it's just it's a different thing every day. Like, wasn't there a period of time? Wasn't there a week where we all thought it was going to become a bank? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now it's WhatsApp. Well, it's a metamorphosizing thing. But I mean, that's not a bad idea to draw users in. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think how, because so far it's all about maximizing the profits and the income and the revenue streams on Twitter. That's, that's all that Elon seems to be thinking about. Um, how do they make money from that? How do they earn extra money from that? Do they charge for businesses to use that sort of audio direct connection services? Hmm, I don't know. Interesting, though. And it's not necessarily like a, oh, my God, what's he thinking of now? Um, usual move that we get from Twitter. That's actually quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's, let's bolt a car factory onto the side of it. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's not happening today, thank goodness. Let's attach the whole thing to a rocket ship, which <sighs> in the end may not be a bad idea. Let's just take all of them. <laughs> Elon Musk's companies, including Elon, and stick them on one of those spaceships and send it off to Mars. Uh, Why did it all go luck. so wrong? Um, I mean, he was the darling of the tech industry, and it just... I think, mm. to, I, I think it depends who you speak to. I think it depends who you speak to. I think also, you know, there's so much um, partisanship with this that it's like, if you like Elon Musk, you're on this side of the fence. If you hate Elon Musk, you're on this side. I tend to sit in the middle with Elon Musk because I think he's he's a guy, clearly a genius. All geniuses have flaws. And I think when it comes to the, this, the kind of work he's done in the past and the kind of ideas that he's got, I think they're great. I, I really do. I mean, I can't fault the companies he's created, the companies he has built. I, I am probably most confused about Elon Musk when it comes to Twitter. I just don't get the connection. Um, unless it is about, for him... You know, if Hyperloop is about transportation, getting us from one place to the other, if SpaceX is about getting us to Mars or to some other planet or whatever it is, mm. uh, if, you know, Starlink is about connecting people via the internet, then maybe the social media thing is again about connection. Maybe that's a thread that runs all the way through all this. I don't know. Oh, that's you're being very meta there. Well done, you. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's all about connecting people. I kind of stole that from Bill Maher because he's been kind of talking oh, about well, that. And, and I think okay. he's I think he's right, to be to be honest. That does seem to be the thread that runs through everything. Hyperloop will never happen, by the way. Um, well, look, I'm sure they said a lot of things would never happen in life. Um, no, I'm sure electricity was laughed. In fact, it was. No. Wasn't it laughed at? Oh, yeah, you ridiculous. What, you you think there'll be a phone in every home? A phone? Television. That'll be a thing in everybody's home. We'll all be sitting around the, the telly watching a, a little uh, tiny man with a flag or whatever it was on at that time. Um, oh, yeah, that popular flag TV show. <laughs> Man with flag. Guy walking about with a big white flag. Hopefully it won't happen. Keeping a vacuum of that sort of length is impossible without some serious safety issues. Not going to happen there. I know because I'm a man in a shed. Yes. Next. (laughs) I also read about Twitter, if we got time. Mm. I also read about Twitter that they are clamping down on inactive accounts as well. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. So something, uh, you know, you need to actually actively use your account I can't remember in the time period, but it was relatively short, 30 days or 60 days. You need to at least you know, log into your account and use it. And anything longer than that will be, um, I believe they said archived because there's a bit of backlash about um, people's Twitter's accounts that have passed on, have yeah. passed away. Um, and people saying, you know, we want these accounts still there. They bring us comfort or whatever. We want those. And, and celebrities have passed over as well. So, um Yeah. There you go. Um, I don't actually think that's a big deal. I think actually the amount, the difficulty is to get a handle on anything. You know, a new email, for example, you you got to add seventeen numbers after your name to to get a, a spot on there. Yeah, it sort of makes sense that. It's funny. I've been hearing a few commentators talk about Blue Sky recently, and you know, it's, it's again, it's this fear mongering, terrified. It's so funny. This 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 comment, this type of commentary, always tends to come from the same people who think that social media on one particular place is brilliant, but everywhere else is terrible. Awful. This one corner of the internet is the best corner of the internet ever possible, and every other part is terrible. Uh, I find that laughable as an argument, to be perfectly honest. It's just ridiculous. Are people saying Blue Sky is terrible now or uh, well, yeah, the best? Well, it's, well, well, there's a lot of question marks around You know what is going to be 
uh, in this new Blue Sky offering. I mean, at the minute, it's invite only. Um, so there's no real kind of knowledge as to what's going on. But look, I'm sorry, every social media network is a cesspit in the end. Humans get involved and they're... T- Have you ever been to a city centre? I mean, come on. No. Everywhere is terrible. And humans are at the heart of it. There you go. Problem solved. That's what, it. Once you accept that... What a way to finish that, the show. Once what you accept that, that's it. You know, Louis, stop lying to yourselves. Stop saying that my corner of the internet is better than oh, your corner God, of the internet. It's relax. a lot of nonsense. We're finishing up. Be, be nice. What's the matter? Available <sighs> soon in the Double Tap merch store, the um, Everything is Terrible t-shirt. <laughs> Look out for it. I bet that'll be the, the highest selling article. <laughs> People are awful. People are awful. <laughs> Have you met them? Um, but <laughs> Dear me. Everyone's lovely. Everything is great. I just I just can't be bothered with this nonsense that, you know, something like Mastodon, for example, is the answer to every problem that ever existed. Uh, whereas, you know, Blue Sky or Twitter. Um, I even heard someone use the, kept using the phrase implosion somewhere. I heard that. And it was like, you know, Twitter's imploding. It's not imploding. It's still there. It's got a huge active user base. Yeah. And, you know, it's not going anywhere. You might want it to go away, but what that means is you want less interaction. You want less communication between people. You want less you just don't free like speech. It. Simple as that. Let's oh. not go down the free speech avenue. We have done the music. We and the music has begun. We're out. Uh, listen, thank <sighs> you so much. That's for all right. uh, being, but not you. That's thank, all right. you thank you for uh, listening. <laughs> that's okay, I was. <laughs> uh, that's it for today. Uh, we're back tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Google I.O. because that's happening today, so we'll review all of the uh, announcements from that. We'll probably hear about some new hardware. I think the AI part is the bit we're most interested in, so mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, Mark Afalalalalo will be back with us. That has evolved. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow on the show. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. You can find us across social media at Double Tap and at Double Tap On Air. We're back tomorrow. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Stephen. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.